where the scriptures this morning. We're bouncing around a lot. We're going to be beginning in Colossians 2 this morning, though, so if you will, head on over there. Uh, so you might already know this, uh, particularly you English types, but uh, a theme is, is something that is often repeated within a certain context, right? The, in the Psalms, the, the major themes are, are praise and lament. If you just read the Psalms, you begin to see that over and over again. Uh, a major theme in the book of Ecclesiastes is that all is vanity, right? We see that repeated throughout. And in the book of Philippians, there's this major theme of just the joy of God's people. Uh, in, in recent years, my attention has been drawn to a theme, a thread that runs through the scriptures, and I have seen it over and over and over again. Uh, that theme is the one of walking. Such a simple idea. It's, it's often a, a metaphor in these holy scriptures for us. And, and yes, Paul and, and, and speaks of the Christian life in terms of you know, more active pursuits all throughout the New Testament, right? We, he speaks of finishing the race. He, he speaks of fighting the fight of faith. He even talks about wrestling against spiritual forces of evil. He, he speaks about these more active things, but far more than, than all of those. And the one we really want to focus on today is, is this simple act of, of walking as we see it throughout God's Word. When I recently bought a, an, an Apple Watch, it, it came with three months of something called Apple Fitness Plus, which I spent two months ignoring completely and then finally decided, oh, what's this? Um, it comes with these workout videos, which are really surprisingly good. It also includes this audio series with it that, that kind of is supposed to mimic you going on a walk with someone. You, you put your headphones on and, and go on a walk. You can even hear the crunch of the ground underneath them and birds in the background and all this stuff. Um, I, right, and, and so you listen to this. These people would share this, this, their, their life stories. They'd share some of their favorite music, why it's their favorite music, that kind of thing. Uh, the concept is really interesting, right? It's, it's well done. Uh, the people you get to walk with, not a real good selection, if I'm honest. Um, though I did take a few, just out of curiosity. I, I walked with uh, Malcolm Gladwell. I feel like I've walked with him now. Um, and he shared these stories of his childhood. He shared about his involvement in the, the Mennonite church that his, his dad was involved in, his parents were involved in. I, I also took a, a walk with a, a woman known as Fat Amy. Uh, it's actually an actress who plays Fat Amy. Uh, and, and she's walked so much that she probably couldn't play this role anymore. Uh, anyway, uh, like I said, it's, a, it's an interesting idea, right? This idea of walking and, uh, with someone. And, it, and it's just kind of led me back to this biblical theme that's been kind of growing my attention for, for years, right? And, and so before we begin the book of Nehemiah and that series through that next week, I just wanted to take a little time and explore it this week. And it's been absolutely wonderful. One of my favorite things to study, it has turned out to be so beyond huge topic, though, that... Um, Trying to bring it down into one sermon has been difficult. And, and so, you know, Friday morning after much prayer, I discerned really that, you know, that the, it's better for us, more beneficial to us that we approach this, this broadly. And I want you to know that today. There is so much more to dig into here. I, I hope it'll spur your interest that you'll dig into it more in the scriptures as well. As I cut out, I'm talking 30, 40 passages on Friday morning that are like, we just can't take the time to go into those. And, and so, Anyway, it's in a topic to explore. I plan to explore it further later in life or soon in life, hopefully, but that's where we're at. So anyway, let, let's begin with Colossians 2, and we're going to read verses 6 and 7, and then we're just going to jump into this thematic, topical, whatever you want to call it, sermon. Um, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. 
The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning as we explore the the theme of walking found throughout your holy word, I I ask for enlightenment of our minds. I I ask that you would draw us into this theme. And, And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would empower us with a godly desire and resolve to walk more closely with you, more in accord with your word, your ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what I want you to see today on the broad thing is, 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 is this term, as we understand it in the scriptures, this term walk or walking, right? And there's a few different ways it's used in the scripture, and we're going to look at all of those. Uh, walking refers to this, this closeness, relational closeness that we have with God. At other times, walking refers to a godly, submissive obedience to God. Uh, walking refers to how, to how we as believers relate closely to one another, to walk with each other. And, and let us not forget uh, the most obvious one, that as you start thinking through metaphors, it's easy to miss, that it actually refers to the physical act of walking like I did to come up here, like you're going to do when you leave here today. A certain pace at which we go from one place to another. And so let, let's consider each of those. And, and to do so, I want to begin back in the garden. And so we're beginning in Genesis uh, 3.8 this morning. no. Now we're beginning in Genesis 3.8. I already told you we're beginning in Colossians, didn't I? Uh, Genesis 3.8, because after Adam and Eve have eaten of the forbidden fruit, after they have sinned in that way, we we read this in Genesis 3.8. It says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God, the Lord God. See, before the first sin, Adam and Eve literally walked with God. I don't spend too much time trying to get your head on what that looks like, right? But, but that's what we get is they actually walked with God and then they sinned. And instead of walking with God on this day, they hide from God. They hid themselves. You see, in imperfection, in, in, in the garden, before sin entered the world, the way that our creator chose to spend time with us was to walk with us. There must be something here that we should long for, that we should pursue then, right? And, and because of Jesus dying on the sin and, and reversing the curse, because of that, we can walk with God again. Not, not in the flesh right now, right? We will one day, but not right now. But, but our lives can have the posture and the relationship of truly and closely walking with God. You, you know we, we look backwards to the cross, right? It's, a, it's an event in the past, in the history for us. Um, but the people of God, before that glorious event, they were looking forward to the cross. They were looking forward to the promise with faith. One such man who was doing so was Enoch. We know so very little about this man Enoch, but what we do know is how closely he related to God. In Genesis 5.24, we, we read this. Enoch walked with God... And he was not, for God took him. And Hebrews 11.5 clarifies that, in case you're wondering, what does that mean, right? Enoch never died. God took him. God was pleased with him. It explains that too. But Enoch walked with God. There was intimacy there. Enoch cared about knowing God. How much do you care about knowing God? Not just knowing about God, but knowing God. I, I was recently challenged by something John Eldridge wrote. Um, he said, I'm really surprised that the human race expects God to pour himself and his blessings into their life 
when he's not even the slightest priority, let alone a close, dear friend? He goes on to ask this question, would you give the best of your life to people who couldn't care less whether you even exist or not? God's relational outpouring of himself is conditional. Does that sound terrifying? It is. Yes, God's love is unconditional, absolutely. God's sovereign grace and salvation, this is unconditional. Praise the Lord for that. It's the only way it could come about. However, it is clear in the scriptures that intimacy with God, that is for those who love him. That is for those who seek him. That is for those who walk with God. Proverbs 8, 17, those who seek me diligently find me. You you can't expect to know anyone, especially God, if you will not commit to actually spending time with him. Time in his word, time in prayer. Christians, it is time to walk with God. It it is time for us to, to prioritize that eternal, that essential relationship we have. So what does it mean to walk with God? Well, the most, the most common Jewish you know, understanding of that word walk is, is, is an ethical term, right? It refers to our, our way of life. It refers to, to holiness, to, to godliness, to, to good works, to obedience, to, to walking in God's ways. To, to, to show you that, let's go back to Genesis again. Chapter 6, 9, verse 9. Uh, here we read, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. You catch that? He was righteous, blameless, and this is explained as he walked with God. Noah was everything that Psalm 119 encourages us towards, right? When it says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, whose walk is in the law of the Lord. Now, now don't get hung up on that word blameless. I know we struggle with that, right? This, this doesn't mean perfect. It does not. If it did mean perfect, what it would say there, and it would say, blessed is Jesus and nobody else. So that's what Psalm 119 would be saying. Perfect here is in the sense of complete. Complete. As in, there isn't some area of life that is, that is partitioned off. There's not some part of your life you're like, this is mine, God. It's not yours. I will give you some Sunday morning. I will raise my kids a certain way. I will, I will give some money to this. But the rest of this, this is mine. You can't touch it. Right? It, it's this completeness. He, he pursued God in obedience to the Lord in all areas of his life. And, and so this walking with God, this pursuit of holiness is important for us because it's an evidence of genuine faith in, in Christ. It is, right? Often within our, our, our conservative evangelical circles, we, we assume that anything about obedience or, or good works is contrary to the unconditional grace of God in the gospel. And so we're terrified of it. Let's just stay away from that, right? Let's just stay in this, this safe place of grace. However, to, to think that way is something less than biblical. Consider this from 1 John 2, 5 and 6. By this way we know that we are in Christ. Whoever says he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Our walking like Jesus is an evidence of our being truly, genuinely united with Christ. To, to, to this sort of thinking, Kevin DeYoung in his book, Whole in Our Holiness, great book if you've never read it, he says, there is a gap between our love for the gospel and our love for godliness. This must change. It's not pietism, legalism, or fundamentalism to take holiness serious. It is the way of all those who have been called to a holy, God by, a holy calling by a holy God. 
After all, when, when God calls us to faith, he, he does more than, than, than simply forgive our sins. Ro- Romans 6 tells us that, that in Christ that we have actually been set free from sin. We've been set free from the power of sin. We've been set free to walk in, in newness of life. But, but that doesn't mean it just happens. It doesn't mean even that it's easy. Right? Again, De Young says the, the reality is that holiness is plain hard work and we are often lazy. We like our sins and dying to them is painful. Almost everything is easier than growing in godliness and so we try and fail, try and fail and then we give up. Brothers and sisters, my plea with you this morning is, is that you don't ever give up. That We continue to to fight for holiness, knowing that we've been empowered for that. Remember that, that God has empowered you for walking in newness of life and in godliness. And, and, and by, by what means has God empowered you? I've already mentioned it. Hopefully you knew it already, right? By, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, l- listen to these words, Galatians 5, 6 through 16 and 17. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? There are desires of the flesh, but you can walk by the Spirit. We can walk by the Spirit. Roman, Romans 8.4 says that as the redeemed, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Christian, you've underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit within you. I, I don't know that, right? But I, I'm willing to bet that. I'm, not, I'm willing to, that's my expectation. You've underestimated the power of the Holy Spirit within you. With the indwelling spirit, you are truly set free from the power of sin. Do you believe that? Truly, truly believe that. You should. You, 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 can, you can resist the lie that says pornography is going to bring some joy to your life. Right? That's, that's what being indwelled by the Holy Spirit means. You can do that. Don't assume you can't. You, you can love your enemy at work who acts maliciously towards you. You can. You can refuse to cheat on that exam even when it seems like everybody else is doing it. You can can slay pride in your heart and embrace humility that God has called you to. You can. And again, it's it's not just about trying harder either, right? The the greatest thing that you can do in in, in your struggle with sin is, is to not hide from God in the garden. Let you go to him. You go to God remembering the forgiveness that he has obtained for you, remembering that he is for you. And so go to him and find encouragement. Seek to walk closely with your God, with our God. Now, I I know sometimes your your life feels like that old Green Day song. probably dating myself here in both directions. Uh, I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. Don't know where it goes, but it's home to me, and I walk alone. Too often we, we walk through life as if that were something re- reality, right? Christian, that's, that's not true of you. Right? If I quote another song, right? If I make just a small adjustment to these lyrics so often sung by obnoxious Liverpool fans, uh, how about this? Christian, walk on, walk on. With the Holy Spirit in your heart, you'll never walk alone. That's reality for us. So I would, 
I would be remiss if I didn't mention that a, a sub-theme sub of walking in the scriptures is that of, of walking in the light as opposed to walking in, in darkness. We see it everywhere. Uh, now, as a kid growing up in, in Houston, we, we often explored creeks. I know Houston and creeks don't really go together, right? But um, this is the suburbs where we still had creeks. We, we often would come across these ginormous sewer pipes <clears throat> that just water would pour out of sometime, but not all the time. And and, 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 you know, we'd, we'd begin to wonder what's in these sewer pipes. We'd, we'd look at them and we'd, we'd hope for Michelangelo and Raphael, but we'd fear something more like Pennywise as, as we're staring into these pipes. We'd, and, and we'd go into them. We'd go into them, you know, one soggy step at a time. Our, our eyes would begin to adjust to the darkness in some level, and, and that would fill us with enough confidence to keep going further and further into this. Uh, we'd begin to kind of, you know, trip over logs. You can't see anything. You're feeling on the wall. Next thing you know, you're bumping into a wall in front of you. Um, hearing these unknown animals, probably wasn't even an animal, but that's what we thought it was. And, and, and you hear this, right? And you might be wondering, what in the world were you doing that for? Like, why were you so dumb? It's a good question. Well, because the darkness intrigued us. It absolutely intrigued us. The, the unknown appealed to our, our, our grab bag sense of curiosity. And, and also, this was the 1980s. This is the stuff kids did. But... But walking in the dark is just foolish, always, all the time. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says, If we say that we have fellowship with God, when we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. Right? Deep into those sewers, right? If I'm just like, well, this is a beautiful sunny day, that would be an absolute lie. Likewise, in, in John 8, 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Ephesians 5.8 implores us to walk as children of light. What does all this mean, right? Romans 13 sheds a little bit of light on this. Um, no pun intended. Uh, Romans 13.13 13 says, let us walk properly as in the daytime. And Paul then lists this, this series of things, right, uh, that, that we are not to walk in. He gives a little bit of explanation. He lists off uh, sexual immorality. He lists off drunkenness and quarreling and jealousy. And, and, and the list continues. But the point is, uh, this is a list of sin, right? It's not a comprehensive list of sin, but that's the point, that don't walk in, in sin. And, and what we learn here is that even if the world doesn't think much about quarreling, or drunkenness, or, or what you do with your body sexually. It matters to God how His children, how His redeemed, His Holy Spirit indwelled people, it matters how we actually live, how we walk through life. It matters to Him. It's certainly true that we live in a, a world that is darkened by sin, a world quite similar to the sewer pipes I described in my childhood. And, and you know what would have been a great help on those adventures? We had been smart little kids. A flashlight, right? Or as the British call it, what, a torch? Uh, a flashlight. It's a, it's a, in a very real sense, that's, that's what the scriptures are for us. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We don't walk around with lamps anymore, right? But it's a flashlight. It, it shows you where your next step is. Do, do not walk through this world without the illuminating light of God's beautiful, wonderful word. Walk with God in his word. Walk with his word as you walk through life. The, the Puritan, uh, Jeremiah Burroughs, a long, long, long time ago, like before Bill was in high school a long time ago, um, 
he wrote this. He said, it, it is the great excellency and commendation of a godly man to walk with God. It is the highest testimony that can be given that a man walks with God. We, we read that about Noah. We read that about Enoch, right? That they walked with God. Now, this is going to hurt a little bit, but who or what would someone say that you walk with? Who has your loyalty? Who has your time? Who has your obedience? What, what has your heart? What gains the place of true priority in your life? Not, not the part, if you wrote it on paper, what's the priority in your life, but what, what is observably actually the priority in your life? What would someone say? She, she walked with, with bitterness and anger. He walked with pride and self-righteousness. She walked with social media. She walked with fear, with people-pleasing. He, he walked with such and such podcaster. She, she walked with CNN or she, or she walked with Fox News. He's getting too personal. L listen, I, I don't say this from a point of self-righteousness. I really don't. My, my own heart going through this all week has been absolutely convicted by my failure to truly walk with God. But I want to walk with God. The scripture is doing what it's supposed to do to, to bring about correction. I want to walk with God, and I hope you want to walk with God too. And, and when we're not walking with God, conviction of the Holy Spirit, not, not guilt put on by somebody else, right, but conviction of the Holy Spirit is the place for us to begin. So the question lingers there, do you want to walk with God? Are you willing to do the difficult putting effort into this? I want you to listen again to our opening passage, Colossians 2. As, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Walk with faith in Jesus. Be, be rooted in Jesus. Be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus. And, and this doesn't just mean that we don't do sinful things. Too often, that's what we think holiness is, right? That it's just don't do this list of things. And half of our list is not even scriptural usually, uh, right? But it, but it means that we pursue a godly way of life as well. It, it means, like Colossians says here, right? That we enjoy the good gifts of God, that we give him thanks for them. Christian, let us make it our life ambition to live out what we read there, what we read out and live in, or what we read in Colossians 1.10, which says this, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. <clears throat> let, let us embrace the, the call of Paul in Ephesians 4.1, where, where he urges us, saying, uh, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And then he gives us some things. What's that mean, right? All humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and in the bond of peace. And remember, this is far more than compliance. That's, it's not about compliance here, right? Compliance is this, it's this heartless, it's this joyless, you know, I, I will do it, but I don't want to do it. It's the thing you see children do. It's the thing that adults do and just don't throw a fit like children, right? It's this joyless 
form of obedience, but not true obedience, right? Because it's so resistant. God calls us to something far greater than compliance. I mean, think about this. Think about Deuteronomy 10, 12. Here, here the question is asked, what does the Lord, your God, require of you? And the, and the answer here, right? The answer is to fear the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways. If mere compliance was all that God desired for his children, the, the, the verse would end right there. The passage, the statement from the Lord would end right there. But, but it doesn't. It actually goes on. And, and here's what it says. God, God requires us to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Far more than compliance. All your heart, all your soul. Remember, this, this call of the Lord in our life is, is more than mere obedience. It's, but it's not less than that. It's not less than obedience to God. I, I do want to touch on one other aspect of the walking theme that we see in the Scriptures, that of, that of walking side by side with, with others. Our, uh, our family re- recently watched this, this great movie. I can't remember who recommended it to us. Uh, it's about C.S. Lewis, and it's called The, the Most Reluctant Convert. Uh, it's fantastic. You have to rent it in a weird way online, but uh, highly recommend it. Fantastic. But, but, I, but I mentioned it this morning because uh, it, it showed how Lewis came to understand the scriptures, right? Here's a guy who really pushed against God existing, pushed against Christianity, and, and was brilliant intellectually. Uh, and, and yet, he came to understand the scripture and the gospel while, while literally walking with Christians and, and having these discussions, having these conversations uh, back and, and forth uh, about God. And it was it's such a beautiful picture as you see that. Now, now, it's quite similar to the encouragement that came when our Lord walked with those disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. Uh, think about pronouncing that. Make sure I did it right. Uh, anyway, on that way, really, it's, it's quite similar to... to all of the ministry that we see Jesus doing, as he, his earthly ministry, right? As he walked with his disciples and, and such. Now, now, as we've been going through some of this stuff this morning, you probably didn't notice uh, because of the Yankee English that is the ESV, but, but almost every passage that I have quoted this morning, almost every single one of them is, is actually plural where it says you. They, they do not say you individually walk with Christ or you, hey, one person, walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. What they are saying is, Y'all walk in Christ. What, what it's saying is all y'all in a manner, walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. And what that means is it's, it's assuming this togetherness, not, not this American individualism mindset, right? They, they assume that we walk together through this, which means that we must live at a certain pace of life. Truly. You ever heard the, the famous quote, uh, a guy named Dallas Willard, right? He, anyway, you probably, some of you have heard this. Anyway, he says this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry. And thus he says, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. I was, I was doing one of those Apple videos that I mentioned, right? I went to the gym and I put it on my phone and you watch this and there's a, an instructor that kind of tells you what to go and it began with him telling you, you know, keep a slow pace. And, and he said, you know, um, a pace where you could carry on a conversation with the person next to you. And so I'm, you know, a slow pace for me is really slow. It's probably walking at this point. Uh, and, and after a bit, the guy says, all right, now speed up. I want you breathing hard. I, I want you really at the point where you're too hard to carry on a conversation with, with the person next to you now. And eventually he said, now I want you going so fast 
that when you look next to you, there's nobody there because nobody can keep up with you at this point. How many of us are living lives like that? Where we are, we are so rushed, right? Half of the time by our own failure to plan anything, right? But we're so rushed that, that no one can keep up with us. I, I, I can't remember where I heard it, but along these same lines, someone pointed out to me that you cannot rush and also love anyone well. You cannot rush and also love someone. Just, just think about how you treat people when you are rushing. How many of you walked out of the door this morning in a hurry to get here? How'd you treat people? How'd you treat those? Tomorrow morning when you're heading out the door in a rush, right? Every time you're in a rush, we, you, you cannot love and rush at the same time. Or hurry is incompatible with love. And Christian, Ephesians 2 explicitly calls you to walk in love. Consider how much your relationships with God and others suffer because we are rushing from the moment that we wake up. Corey Tim Boom, an old missionary, said, if the devil cannot make you sin, he will make you busy. Only we don't need the devil to make us busy. We plan that. We go out of our way to make sure we fill things up. We will do that for him. We set up our lives like a like a, like a book that has words to the edge in every direction, right? Where there's no margin at all. You know, one of the, the best ways to actually slow down the pace of your life is to slow down your actual body, literally. When was the last time you, you, you went on a walk somewhere? Anywhere? With, with it being crazy cold lately, I... I, I I haven't even considered it because I'm not some psycho from Wisconsin. Uh, <laughs> but when the weather is nice, I, I sometimes make myself, and I say make myself because I don't ever want to do it, make myself walk to the office here or, or make myself walk to go meet someone in, in Aggieville. And at, at first, it always feels like the biggest waste of time because I, you know, I analyze this at, at first. I'm like, this is so, why am I walking? Uh, I, I could have driven this distance in five minutes and I'm going to take half an hour to get there how am I going to get home? You know, all these things start to go through my, life, my mind. But, but, but the slowness of, of a walk, it, it affords me this time to actually think, this time to, to pray, this time to reflect. I, I begin to experience the world around me in so different ways. I, I actually talk to others who are out walking. If we are on the same path or past each other, I, I hear birds sing. You know the birds are back, right? I, I smell flowers in the, in the spring as it's blooming in a way that I just don't otherwise. I, I sometimes smell cow manure too, right? I won't give you both sides of it, but, but you experience the world, all these different things, and, and it's kind of amazing. I, I recently learned that the average person today spends 93% of their lives indoors, right? Including your vehicle. Most of your interaction with the outside world is through a window from the comfort of whatever you think the perfect temperature is. We experience so little of general level revelation, so little of God's creation, which is so good for us. There's the beauty of it, the, the way it points us to the Lord. And in, in Ephesians 5.15, the Apostle Paul writes, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says, Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Have you ever really considered how you spend the time, how you walk through this life? How are you spending the time that God has gifted you with? The average, again, right, the average American, 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you all the average American stats right now. Uh, the average American spends almost four hours a day staring at their phone. Four hours, right? You can go in that screen time and see what your own is if you have that. Um, that's over an entire day, 24-hour day, a week, staring at a phone. And, and, I, and I don't say to guilt you, right? But is that really what you want to do? Right? Is that a part of your life dreams? Is, is that what you understand is like discipleship and life? Is that really how you want to spend your time? When Reed Hastings, the, the CEO of Netflix, was asked what, what their biggest competition was, he just shrugged and said, sleep? Right? I mean, in, in other words, Netflix already has captured so much of their, of their customers' awake time we got to get into their sleep now. Christians, we are, we are called to be different. We are called to walk different. Now, Jesus, our Lord, did not call us to seek first the kingdom of entertainment. He called us to seek first the kingdom of God. That, that's about priorities. Don't hear me as shaming all entertainment. Not, not at all. It's about priority there. And, I, and I'm not even saying don't be busy at all as if that's the solution. Cancel everything and just hang out. That, that's not what I'm saying, right? Busyness can be life at times. To, to a certain degree, Jesus was busy, right? We know this. We, we just finished the, uh, the, the gospel of Luke, right? It took us a while. Stucky got a PhD in the time, uh, right? But we just finished this. And how many times did we, we, we see this, right? There were people that would come to Jesus and they would want him to come, come heal someone for me. Right? Come heal my child. Come, come heal whatever it might be. There were, there were people that wanted to ask him all sorts of questions and engage him in conversation. There were people that wanted to kill him. He had a lot on his schedule, right? He was moving from place to place. Uh, and, and things were busy, and yet Jesus didn't create time. I mean, philosophically, think about whether he could or not, right? Uh, but just like you and I, he did not create time. What, what Jesus did was actually set apart uh, time for spending it with his Father in prayer for meditating on the scriptures, for, for walking beside his disciples through, through life, for, for walking to actual places to meet actual people. He, he served, used it for serving others, for proclaiming the gospel, and, and yeah, even hanging out at a wedding. Jesus was wise with his time. Right? So what do we learn from Ephesians 5.15? We, we learn to consider and then to make the best use of the time that we have actually been given. However much is left. The first sermon I, I ever preached uh, was on Mark 2, 1 through, through 12. It's one of those seminary sermons where you're paranoid because everyone has a clipboard um, as you preach it. Anyway, it's, it's, a, it, it's when a group of guys, um, they have the paralytic friend and they go up on the roof and they dig through the roof and, and they lower their friend down to Jesus and are like, you know, you heal people, heal our friend, that's what we want. And, and Jesus tells the crippled man, hey, your sins are forgiven. Uh, and then Jesus says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. See, when God redeems, he, he calls the redeemed to, to walk. This guy wanted to go through the rest of his life just laying on this bed knowing he's healed. Right? It's to walk, to, to walk with God, to, to walk in obedience, to walk in Christ, to walk in love, to walk in the Spirit. Church, it is it's time for us to walk. It, it is time to walk in, in the newness of life that is actually ours in Christ Jesus.
And that, that could be something little, okay? I'm not saying, you know, you don't go run a 5K tomorrow. You don't have to walk 40 miles every day. But you begin to, to walk with the Lord in little ways. You begin to walk with the Lord. I, I do want to close with one more passage regarding the, the rest that we receive when we walk with God. That sounds counterintuitive here, right? Here God is speaking through his prophet, and, and he says this in Jeremiah 6.16. He says, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Wherever you're at right now, it's time to walk with the Lord for your own good, for his glory, for the sake of the gospel, for so many other things. It's time to walk. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we no longer walk alone. May we walk in in your ways. May we walk with you. May we walk in in Christ and and by the Spirit and in, in, in the light of your word. May we walk blamelessly, walk wisely. May we walk as children of the light. May we walk by faith. May we walk humbly with you, our God. May we agree to walk together in in the fellowship of faith and in the unity of peace. Teach us, O God, the ancient past. Teach us to walk in in your ways and for your glory. Bring rest to our souls. Bring, Bring closeness, Lord, that we desire to have with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.